Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast for the week of December 19th. It's Christmas week here on the Great Lakes Golf Podcast alongside Hunter Pulaski in Petoskey. I'm Peter Garber in Chicago. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. In this week's episode, not a lot of golf, but we did see the greatest World Cup final ever. Maybe catch up on what's happening in the NFL, including the Lions being... Uh, blazing hot. We'll update you on their Super Bowl odds as they look uh, more likely than ever to potentially make the playoffs in the NFC, though I think they're going to have a tough first-round opponent, even if they do manage to make the playoffs uh, on account of their early season struggles. Update you on what's happening with the Latino America Tour down in Chile this week. Alex Scott from Traverse City was in the field, so we'll tell you how he played in this week's event. But first, the big news out of the world of golf this morning here on a Tuesday, December 20th, is the decision by Augusta National to allow live players in the field in 2023. So in April, we will have Cameron Smith, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, and any other live players who uh, qualify, which will, there'll be several, Phil, Bubba, past champs. It's uh, nice that we got that information this morning so we could share it here on the pod. It's not necessarily surprising, um, But there are some interesting uh, aspects of this statement. So I want to read the second half of this to you. Uh, It's a statement regarding the 2023 Masters Tournament. Augusta National Golf Club is authored by Fred Ridley or signed by Fred Ridley. Uh, So it opens by, you know, talking about the Masters Tournament and sort of setting the stage for the decision they're going to make. Third paragraph begins with, Regrettably, recent actions have divided men's professional golf by diminishing the virtues of the game and the meaningful legacies of those who built it. Although we are disappointed in these developments, our focus is to honor the tradition of bringing together a preeminent field of golfers this coming April. Therefore, as invitations are sent this week, we will invite those eligible under our current criteria to compete in the 2023 Masters Tournament. As we have said in the past, we look at every aspect of the tournament each year, and any modifications or changes to invitation criteria for future tournaments will be announced in April. We have reached a seminal point in the history of our sport. At Augusta National, we have faith that golf, which has overcome many challenges through the years, will endure again. Okay, so by saying we're not going to change, or we will invite those eligible under our current criteria, that means they're not changing anything for 2023. So the live has no bearing on who gets invited and who doesn't. However, this is all about the live. Um, this letter. Because we're talking about recent actions dividing men's professional golf. We're talking about diminishing the virtues of the game. Okay. So they're taking they're taking a moral stance even if they're not disallowing players. It's just that's what that that's what they're communicating there. And the meaningful legacy legacies of those who built it, meaning wanting to keep the legacy of the PGA Tour, as that is the established sort of barometer by which golfers are measured, I guess if that's fair to say. We have reached a seminal point in the history of our sport. So they're making no bones about this being a really big deal to them at Augusta National, something that they've had lots of conversation over or about. And then most interestingly here, As we have said in the past, we look at every aspect of the tournament each year. 
any modifications or changes to invitation criteria for future tournaments, meaning 2024 and beyond, will be announced in April, meaning April 2023. So there's the anticipation uh, built into this thing about, okay, so you're letting everybody in this year, but you're going to, in April, presumably that means the week of the tournament? I don't know. I guess we'll... We'll have to wait and see. Maybe they want to bring those players on property so they can have conversations with these guys who are on the live tour about what they're um, considering in terms of their options moving forward. But I could be wrong, but this to me makes it seem like, no, we're not making changes now. But we, as we've said in the past, we do think about changes every year. And any changes that we are going to make, we're going to announce in April. Well, why would you say you're going to announce in April if you're not going to say anything? You know, it's not going to be a non-announcement, if you will. So, I, you know, much of the reaction around this is, great, the live players are in. It's no big deal. Some people are saying, oh, they're on the moral, moral high ground. And nobody seems to be close reading this statement in the sense of there's more to this than just letting players in in 2023 so uh that news just came down i wanted to include that here and front load it um we'll continue with the rest of the pod here in a second but this will be fascinating to watch uh in the days and weeks to come so thanks for joining us here on the great lakes golf podcast we'll get to the rest of the pod here in just a second this is an interesting way to start a golf podcast but just i wonder i'll look this up but it's just because it's interesting and we were talking about this last week who do you think has a shorter number to win the super bowl the bucks or the lions what (laughs) well (laughs) i mean it's obviously it's i think the lions are at 55 to 1 now which is crazy um i imagine the bucks are below that have to be so you've been looking at the Lions Super Bowl futures. You oh, actually oh. could you could give us that number right off the top of your my head? my group of friends are drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, you guys need to really you need drinking to the be Kool-Aid. the voice of reason in that group, dude. Uh, we, <laughs> this we've is already, gonna really they're all gonna be so disappointed. We've already looked at uh, tickets to go to Minnesota for the first round game. <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys are nuts. Um, so I don't know what, what do you have the number or you just, you just, is that just like a hypothetical? No, it's, you were right. I have 60 to one on DraftKings for the lions and <clears throat> they are two teams behind the bucks who oh. are still somehow 30 to one. And I think as Hunter mentioned, by virtue of the fact that the NFC South is a giant toilet bowl. And is there another team in that division with a record better than five and nine right now? Uh, they're all right there at, I want to say, because, yeah, and Bucks are Carolina six and eight, five and Carolina nine. five and nine, New Orleans five and nine, Atlanta five and nine. So I don't think that that division is, that is not, do we think the Bucks can beat the other teams in their division? They've got to get, they're going to have to, to win that division, they're still going to have to beat those. Two of those three, three teams. teams. Yeah. They got to play the Cardinals next week at the Cardinals. Cardinals are out of playoff contention now, so they might, I'm not sure what the Cardinals are going to do. And then 
they play. They're going to be in for an off season of a little bit of upheaval, I think. The Cardinals. Yeah, I think uh, I think Old Cliff's going back to college. I don't know why he wouldn't. Uh, Panthers and then Falcons, but I do think they're going to make the playoffs. I do, I do think the Lions are going to make the playoffs. They seem. This just seems different this year. Oh boy. I'm oh not boy. saying they're gonna, they're not gonna win. I don't think they're gonna win. I think the worst case scenario for them, which is like it seems it's becoming seemingly seemingly more like it's gonna happen, is that the San Francisco 49ers jump the Vikings and then they have to they have to go to San Fran for the first game and they're gonna get their doors blown off. I'd, yeah, I'd rather play the Vikings a... ten times out of ten than San Fran at San Fran. It's actually pretty tough right now, I think I feel like to figure out who do you like out of the NFC? I mean, the Cowboys obviously took a step back, and I think people can some people considered them contenders. But do you like the Eagles or the Niners? I think I like the Niners more now that um, Jalen Hurts has that potentially broken collarbone. Oh, is that it's that bad? That's what that's what's being reported as of yesterday afternoon. Ah, so that's why these numbers have changed. Because if you look at the Super Bowl futures that are shorter than the Lions at sixty to one, you've got Miami thirty-five, Bucks thirty, as we mentioned, Ravens twenty-eight, Vikings twenty-five, Chargers twenty-two, Cowboys ten to one, Bengals eight to one. Now the Niners are gaining on the Eagles, but they're still not there. I mean, it's plus six fifty for the Niners, plus five fifty for the Chiefs. And then plus five hundred and plus three thirty for the uh, Eagles and Bills, respectively, as the <clears throat> favorites to reach the Super Bowl. But plus six fifty, so let me feels like a little bit of value there on the Niners. If you if you if Jalen Hurts is hurt, then the Niners are head and shoulders the best team in the NFC. It's not even, and I know they have a backup quarterback, but <laughs> he does sure they like have that. a they they have a great system and uh nobody uh gardner Minshew can't come in and do what like the eagles have to change what oh. they do if jalen hurts is not in the game the niners didn't have to change anything they just put a different guy in at quarterback hey you be careful hope that he played well you be careful talking down about gardner Minshew, please i love gardner Minshew. i'm excited to, i'm excited to see him out there so i sense this, i know that I mean, at the end of the day, our, our number one goal of this podcast is to be accurate at all times. Uh, it is? <laughs> starting today. <laughs> uh, it looks like I don't have a tweet from like, I'm, I'm trying to find like the, like a Shefty tweet that says, I am seeing a lot of blue check marks, which I know that doesn't mean as much anymore, that are saying it's actually a sprained shoulder. So no, maybe, it means more now, Hunter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I always like. <laughs> I always felt like a certain comfort when I saw a blue check mark tweeting something, and now it's just like, well, did they pay for this? Yeah, he well, he's challenge, he's he's challenge challenging that feeling of comfort. Yeah. So I don't, uh, so I don't know the difference between a sprained shoulder and a collarbone. That sounds a lot less worse. Yeah. If it's if it's something where he just sits out a couple of weeks and he comes back in, that I still I don't know, but do it, with a healthy Jalen Hurts, let's change the question. A healthy Jalen Hurts or a Jalen Hurts with a sprained shoulder. So not a significant injury that he's going to be able to play. You like the Eagles or the Niners in the NFC. And the Eagles will have home field advantage. They will. Um, honestly, I haven't watched – I don't know why. I just haven't watched Eagles games this year. I feel like I've watched more Niners games. Um, 
The Niners are always on TV, I feel like. Yeah, just like that 425 spot always seems to find them in it. Um, I don't know. I... This is not the direction I imagined our conversation going today. I just find it fascinating in light of the it being a Tuesday morning, and I do think Kyle you know, these Shanahan games just having wrapped up and is and a lot better. Coach and the Lions than... being in contention and trying to figure out if they make the playoffs, who the hell are they going to play? Yeah, and, and you're it, right. If it's the Niners, yeah, I, I I'm a little nervous about Kyle Shanahan versus Dan Campbell. For being honest, that scares me. <laughs> this. Slight advantage to the Niners. There. Yeah, so I think that's where I mean, if it comes down to like a like coach first coach skills, pretty similar between the Eagles and the Niners. You, I just feel like I, I have to side with Kyle Shanahan's game plan. I mean, that's just, I, I I will say I really like I like the Niners plus six fifty to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I I liked ever since they made the McCaffrey trade. You're going to need your quarterback to make big plays. I get that it, it's we're asking Brock Purdy to win a Super Bowl. I get it. But if there was ever a unit that could win a Super Bowl with a back, like this reminds you of the Trent Dilfer-led Ravens teams and the, uh, the was Brad Johnson-led Buccaneers teams, you know, where, like, they will hold you under 20 points and they will find – ways to make big plays in the running game and that might be enough for them all the way to the super bowl mm-hmm. yeah. so i would love i mean a niners bengals super bowl or a niners bills super bowl would be sweet I well think. i think that's be- what i think it's down to six teams i think it's the it's the eagles 49ers and dallas from the nfc and i think it's the bills chiefs and who did you just say from the nfc the, the Bengals. i think that's like, it's like those six teams Pretty cut. I would be very shocked if it wasn't one of those. I know it's not like going out on a uh, a very far limb, but I would be very shocked if it wasn't one of those teams. Was, I would. I could. I could still see Dallas pulling it off, just because I do think their roster is amazing. They'll need some luck. They're going to have to go on the road. Um, but it'd be, I'm pretty much with you. That mm-hmm. six and maybe a little, maybe Dallas. I, mean, well, I, Dallas I included Dallas. Has a tendency to crash. Oh, you did? Yeah, that was that was one of the six. That was one of the NFC. Oh, three eight a, or six. Three NFC, three AFC, I think is, unless I'm just completely missing on somebody, that seems. No, I, no, I think, I guess you're right. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, I mean, the Vi- I don't You don't think, give the Vikings much of a chance. I don't. I don't know why either. Like, it's just. Well, did you see that the Lions were favored against the Vikings? What? That. The Lions were favored against the Vikings in that game we won two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't like there's there's nobody believes it. you're not the only one who doesn't believe in the Vikings. I think they have like a amazingly they have like a negative point differential somehow. They're just getting a lot of puck luck. Yeah. To lead them to this record, I think. And and uh, Vegas is calling BS on it. I mean, I think if you let uh, if you let. Jeff Saturday scored 33 points on you and a half. That, even though they came back and won, that's telling. Like, that tells what, the story. What happened? How, what happened in that game? I don't know. How do you give Poor, up a 33 point? Did they just decide as a team? Like, did they quit or what, what happened? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, and that's, I, I saw some people making the comments like, yeah, feel good story bringing Jeff Saturday in, like that's all great and what, but like, there's a laundry list of guys that don't give up a 33 point lead 
in the second half, like coaches that just know how to, like, you just, that's just can't happen. It's just, I know it's a, there's quite a bit of time and, but goodness gracious, they, it went from, it looked very similar to the world cup. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that for a minute. Cause that was a sweet match. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the it. second half, really, though, because I my I was shocked by how poorly France played. I was I did not think they had a chance to come back in the second half. It didn't look like it. So I was pleasantly surprised, to be honest, when Mbappe scored those two goals in 90 seconds. I was I was I was parenting like I had almost given up. Sarah called. Peter from upstairs. Peter, you got to get up here because I was down here with Dorothy. And we ran up there. I was like, what's happening? It's like France. They just scored twice. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what do you mean they scored twice? You know, like I, I didn't even know what was going on. So then obviously from there on out, it was some of the most thrilling sports viewing you could ever ask for. And quite the appetizer for the uh, one o'clock NFL slate. Yeah, I would say that's probably like some of the. So they they he scored his first goal in the 80th minute, that PK for Mbappe, to make it two one, and then and then really like the next that would be the next 40 minutes of plus a little bit of stoppage time was like some of the best soccer, like you could possibly ask for without a, without one more goal being scored. But then, I mean, it was just so back and forth. Uh, great all around play from from everybody. I am. I told you yesterday, like, I feel like everyone. Nobody wanted to remember this World Cup, and now I feel like everyone's going to remember it because Messi wins yeah. his first one. Uh, I mean, that's – you hate to, like, recency bias always comes into play, but I saw a ton of tweets about, like, top five sporting event of all time. And it's hard for me to, like – you start to, like, think about – I just don't I just don't know enough history to, like, to refute that or to say that's correct, but it was – like that's everything you want out of a soccer game. It was thrilling in the second half. In the second, after the, you're right. Makes basically the 75th minute on or whatever when the momentum changed and then France started scoring. Because really, the first half was an absolute snoozer. Yeah, and Argentina should have been up more than two zero. I mean, the game probably should have been over at half. And I don't know if that's the same that's kind of part of their DNA because they had a 2-0 lead against the Netherlands and gave up a 2-0 lead and ended up, I think... Yeah, that was another one. I think one that one ended up in penalties too. I, yeah, I Messi was like, there's no reason we should be in... Like, he made a comment like, there's no reason we should ever ever made it to PKs. So that, that was definitely uh, the So that's, there's obviously something in their team there that, like, I guess we should have been on guard for the possibility that they would give up the lead, but they looked so much better in the first half, so much quicker to the ball. France looked like they were in quicksand, so got to give credit to the French to turn it around, and in particular Mbappe, who was, he kind of just, you know, he was like, you could tell he had decided F this, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get mine and sort of make a difference in this game come hell or high water. Yeah, and that's and he I... really did, and I'm, sure as a team they helped him do that but he they got him in some space in the second half where there was none in the first half couldn't even play it out of the back or win it out of the air so sloppy yeah um i think that was, but it was all of a sudden then he's featured in the game and you sh- shows you what a great 
player he was. It was awesome that little subtext of the goals, the goal count between Messi and Mbappe being as close, I think, one apart as it was. I mean, the fact that Mbappe scored a hat trick in a losing World Cup final is in and of itself a like a massive story. So I, I, I I'm with you. I don't like to rank things because I don't know. But I can just say in that moment, that World Cup final was great for soccer. Anybody watching that had to thoroughly enjoy it. I mean, it was thrilling action. And that kick save by the uh, Argentine goalkeeper, really, I mean, that that ball's absolutely going in the back of the net there when the last minute or two of stoppage, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, 103rd minute. Before they went to the extra time, I think. And I was like, oh, here we go. This France is actually going to... And that was an incredible save, and that gave them the, you know, what they needed to have a have a chance coming down the stretch there. I mean, the goalkeeping, it was... it was There was a lot of just highlight reel-type plays in the last half hour of the match. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... <clears throat> Not much more. Not much more you could ask for. I just I, the. How about that scissor kick volley from that right back from Argentina? Did you see that? That yeah. was also going in until it hit the. And guy. I think until a France defender got their head on it. Maybe cussed some defender. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how that doesn't like for all the things that knock a soccer player over. The fact that like a ball going at seventy miles an hour off the <laughs> dome doesn't. I don't know. What, I don't know what gives. That scissor kick valley definitely caused a couple of my text chains on my phone to light up because it was like, whoa, did everybody see that? That was amazing. Yeah, that yeah. would have been the greatest goal in World Cup history. Like That's exactly how they teach it, too. Like, he was so over top of the ball. I mean, he was, like, essentially, like, crouched with his body at parallel with the ground or his chest parallel with the ground and somehow, like, still managed to rip it. I don't know how yeah, he did and, that. Yeah, and... You could tell that ball was getting ready to dip. Mm-hmm. If it had gotten over those guys' head, Sarah's like, "It's it's going up." I'm like, "No, that ball has like, it's got different spin on it. Oh, yeah. It's going to go up over their heads, and then it's going to start going back down on it to the ground." But so, yeah, that was there was a lot of just plays to look back on and be like, "Man, what a what a uh, what a great game." So we'll see. I mean, I'm hoping that this. I don't think people nearly give the Premier League enough credit. Like it's on it. Literally the perfect time of day for for people that like sports. You can have like weekends of complete sports from the second you wake up until the second you go to bed, if you just give it a chance. Obviously not. And if you have that kind of time, yeah, (laughs) that's just something that you just have on the you just have on the TV. You don't have to be watching. It's good background noise. Yeah, I don't like to watch it that closely. Um, I think it's. I think it'll be interesting to see because I'm. Is that going to help us? I don't think we have to worry about selling tickets in 2026 mm-hmm. when we have the north the north american is that basically it's canada and the u.s it's like the east coast of canada and the u.s is where we're going to be playing and mexico that, and mexico it's a three uh three country i don't know how that works with like travel can we can you just waltz your way into mexico and can we can mexico mexico just waltz their way into america well, I, that's, I think that's a complicated question right now, but <laughs> well, that's what I'm. <laughs> well, As it pertains well, it to be, the World Cup and the teams that are playing in the World Cup, I'm sure. But yeah, for fans, that's what I mean. For fans, and you can vacation. It's a vacation. You're not like. I wonder if, if a team, if teams like a group, will play 
like Group A, for example, that that I maybe will have the U.S. Like, will they play all their games in the United yes. States? Like, will Canada play all their games in Canada? So they're on. gonna put yes, they're gonna try to. I'm sure mm-hmm. you're not gonna travel around within your group. I think when you're in the group stage, you're just gonna play it. You'll be in New York, or you'll be in Boston, or you'll be in Mexico City, or you'll be in Toronto, or whatever. And you'll stay there for that week. And then when you advance is when you might get <clears throat> moved to a different location. But you're right. That doesn't mean it's not like Qatar. No. That still means you're going to from Toronto to New York. It still means you're packing up all your stuff. You're going to a different country. You're checking into a different hotel. I'm but I do like that it's spread out because we've seen this infrastructure. And I think they touched on that a little bit in Qatar. I mean, people were dying building that. And it's a lot. It's messy over there in a lot of ways that it wouldn't be over here. But infrastructure-wise, it's much seems much wiser to use existing infrastructure than to try to build something for the World Cup like they did in in Qatar because they're gonna they're gonna tear that thing down, right? I don't know. I mean, if you look at like uh, I'm trying to think of another country like Brazil when they had the, like, they still have their stadiums are still up and they're just they're just uh, they look like amusement parks like rundown. Like there's overgrowing, uh, like buildings now. Right? Not buildings, but like it's just the stadium is still there, but there's just no. It looks like an abandoned building. Yes. Yeah. See, that's sad. Yeah. So I don't leave but, it to leave it to FIFA. Yeah. yeah. Any comments? Any problems with the officiating? Because like in soccer, <laughs> so hard to be a ref. Uh. And I think people like I refed soccer when I was a kid, and so I always empathize with these guys but i did think it's there's you know it's elicits conversation if you will when you have a kind of a soft penalty early on even though that was just it was <laughs> so bad up. on the part of the france defender you have to call that. it is very hard not to call that and then likewise with the argentina's handball that led to the penalty yeah, where again luck. it's like it's bad luck, but can you really swallow your whistle there? So, did you have a problem with either of those calls? No, not at all. I mean that that was that was uh, piss poor defending by that French defender, in, in every sense of the term, piss poor. I mean, he the ref the, the ref couldn't have blown his whistle faster. I mean, and and to no fault of his own. And then the <clears throat> they they don't know what they do about so that this was like a decade ago, 15 years ago, they changed it from like calling it a handball to they changed it to like intentional, intentional handling or like, or like your hand being in like a a non, a non-normal, that's not the word I'm looking for, but like it's just not a normal position. Yeah. That, that there's nothing. I mean, that's just the rule. So it's, he had to call it. His hand was like so far extended, just kind of, just kind of bad luck and, hand in the wrong or arm in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah well you could see yourself putting your body in that he's he's kind of like bringing up his you you do sometimes you're blocking a shot you'll kind of bring your arms up to Mm -hmm. cover your face yeah and i think and that's kind of what he was doing only his arms got away from his body a little bit it wasn't like he was reaching out playing goalie no but again like that ball's gonna be near the net on near the net or on the net and he handles it you know, or he blocks it with his hand. I, I don't know. It just it feels like an unfortunate penalty, and it always feels unfortunate when 
penalties are such a big part of the game. So I guess we're lucky that it was happened to both teams, I guess, if you will. So you could say it's kind of even, but like, I don't know. Argentina got so many penalties in this tournament. Yeah, I think that's just being... I mean, Maybe that's just like on account of how much time they spend in the box. I think that, and just, I think that's just their their um, their ball handling skills. I mean, like some all it takes is somebody just to somebody to reach and somebody to make a little bit of contact, and you fall over, and and that's that. I will. I'm glad you mentioned PKs because that's that is something I did see a lot of people saying, and I I completely agree. I think it's it's a cool fan experience, but it's not exactly the best way to to decide. A, a World Cup champion after 120 minutes is shooting from 12 yards away. Should they go back to the golden goal? Because I tend to agree with you. Nobody, even soccer players, nobody likes penalties. No, no. unless you're the worst. Unless you know you're the weaker side and you're trying to get to penalties, mm. which just that in and of itself tells you that penalties is not the proper way to end the game because it's a literally a strategy for weaker teams to win games that they feel they can't win in regular time plus extra time because they can't score regular goals. Yeah. So that to me is a is a problem. It's just the availability of an alternative because you could play the extra time as it is and then just play again and make it sudden death instead of PKs. But now we're playing these guys, you're asking these guys now to play for probably borderline too long. I don't know what exactly too long is, but you would probably have to change your substitution rules at that point. Or you can leave all the rules the same and go back to the golden goal, which obviously they had reasons for getting rid of, where once you go to extra time, whoever scores first wins. Yeah, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know, I don't know a good solution because I don't necessarily think the golden goal is the you just hate to have like one one silly mistake stupid mistake after like 115 minutes of of play to find the game but maybe that's just kind of how how the cookie crumbles i don't but yeah you don't want those guys playing i think at some point you play too long obviously just the 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 level of play is going to decrease once those guys get to me and those guys are running like nine ten miles eight miles a game at some point they're going to get, they got to get tired. I would think. So I don't know. I, you, yeah. m- you mentioned the refs. I didn't really see anything too crazy. I did see the Qatari ref. I guess there was a Qatari ref doing the consolation game between Croatia and uh, why am I blanking? Who would they play? Morocco. Morocco. I heard, Morocco. I, I saw that there was some, uh, <laughs> He he got he got a few comments about fixing the game potentially, but I don't sure. I wasn't watching that one. Who won that game? Who, Croatia. Who Croatia two to one, I believe. So another thing, I don't know why they make okay. them like those poor those poor guys. I don't know if they want to go home necessarily. I couldn't, but like to like get back up to, for I a third to, place I, game is impossible. I have to tell you, I did not know that was a thing. Yeah. I don't, and I don't and then know I just what saw it, it flash up on my Twitter feed or whatever it was one day, and I was like, "They're gonna make these guys play again." I don't know what the they benef- lost. What the benefit is like is unless they get like Why a need, a third place you get bronze like a medal bronze or something. Bronze medal? I don't know. Why don't you just get a finalist medal then, or a semi 
finalist medal. If you make it to semifinals, you get a semifinalist medal and get rid of the console. Was anybody in the stadium for the consolation game? Do you cheer on your team? The USA loses in the semifinal, which of course will never happen. Well, I think it probably will happen at some point, maybe in the next 50 years or so. Are you going to go back and buy a ticket to watch the third place game and cheer on the USA to get third in the I don't get it. I think I think you have to keep We don't in mind. do that in the even regular in at any other level of soccer, do we? No, I'm not out that I can think. I'm trying to think of like Champions League, but I don't think they would or they do. I there's just there's a completely different level. Like for however however passionate we think that American sports fans are, it is just like a whole different ball game. Like those True. those True. fans looked like like they were there the, the announcers were like, Yeah, some of these people have put their life savings into this. I and, I, and I'm I like, I, I, I guarantee they did. Like I took that completely first word and I know for a fact that had to have happened. Like those those people just bawling their eyes out after like after a goal was scored. Like you don't see that in American sports ever. Did you see the, some of the shots of Buenos Aires and some of the other uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that places been, in Argentina? That would have been a fun place to be. They now have a uh, nationwide holiday to commemorate the World Cup championship as well. I awesome. saw that they I mean, that's good uh, instituted that, which is yeah, as they should. Yeah, so as I, they should. It is. Are it you is. a Messi fan? Yes. Like, do you like Messi? Well, it's always it's always posed as Messi or Ronaldo. And it, and like in that question, it's like it's so obviously messy. I think Ronaldo's a bum, a, the bum of all bum. He's he's really good at getting himself in a good position, which I know is important, but he's a bum, an absolute uh, bum. Ooh, where, where you where you see take. where you see Messi demand attention, he if he gets the ball, he has three guys looking at him at all times. Ronaldo, I don't. I don't like that part of Ronaldo's game. I don't think he demands as much attention in the midfield as he's a really good finisher, really good at taking PKs, but I don't like his like middle of the field. I don't think he can, yeah, no, can make as much they're happen. Just, they're just totally different players. Ronaldo so, really is. He's, he's just a scorer. Yeah. Messi has a more complete game. I just wondered like, I'm very happy for Messi. Personally, like, I mean, I get that he's a great player. I love watching him play soccer, but I don't know anything about these guys. No. Ronaldo, I get the sense, is kind of a prima donna, and, like, some of this back and forth with some of his clubs has been unflattering towards him. But Messi said a lot of things in media availability and things over the course of the World Cup that were, you know, not the most gracious things I've ever heard by any means. (laughs) What he... After the semifinal game or the quarterfinal game, the he was doing a TV interview and the ref was walking by, and he like said something like, "Don't look at me, you loser! Don't look at me, you loser!" And like he a, called him a bum a or bum. something That's like what it was, a... bum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, you're a bum. Keep walking, you bum. Something like that. Yeah, I, and I like I get it. It's it's a very adversarial relationship between the players and the referee. It's very hard to be a referee in soccer. Yes. Um. I, uh... It's a very, very lonely feeling out there. It's, you're the one dude in that color. You're by yourself. The only two people with you are just holding flags and standing in the corners. They're not going to help you. Yeah. And they will literally mob you. I mean, they have four or five of those people will come right up to you and tell you you're a bum and call you everything that they can think of. I will tell and you You got to be able to take it 
and also get them the heck out of the way so you can make sure the game continues because that's the only way to keep it from, you know, becoming total chaos. So I'll say this. I think I'd almost rather do a World Cup final game than a U11 girls game. Oh, they're so bad. Or like not even girls. I guess just like anything when the parents don't know about like don't know soccer that's the worst because then because if you can get the players to you can get the players on your side they kind of know what's going on but then you have like these like these these d-bag dads that think like they're just like football 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 and and they say (laughs) so many stupid like when i at max max soccer i listen to parents try to explain to other parents what offsides is and it makes me sick to my stomach I want to oh, like geez. so like things like that. If they just don't know what's going on, that's when it's the worst. At least like in the in the World Cup, <laughs> everyone like knows knows what's going on. Fans are like fans are capable of understanding like certain plays, and and so I I could I always struggled with the younger, and every anytime they fell over, you expect like a call, and that's just not necessarily how it works. Right, right. Oh, I've been there. I've been there. I've had those disagreements with parents. And of course, it's always some kid who's like 16. It's like a summer job or like an, a, a part-time job that you, you get paid. I got like 20 bucks a game for doing those games. Well, that was back in like 19, And that was how I like, that's how I, that was like my part-time job or whatever. And I just knew oh, I've got games at 11 and three today. I'm going out to click road and it, it was always like, okay, swallow your pride. Time to go out there. You're going to get absolutely undressed by these parents, even though these kids are all are a maximum of like 13 or 14 years old because I was like 16. It's all kids. And they still ream you. Oh, yeah. I've had to walk over there and be like, hey, look, I get it. You guys are upset. These kids are 10 years old. I'm doing the best that I can. Just let's try to keep it civil so I don't have to send anybody to the parking lot, which I have also seen referees do. Those are That's in games that I've played in where they actually walk over and they say, you cannot stay. You have to leave. You can't be here anymore, which is totally within the, the ref's discretion. But that just is an example of how nasty it can get in those uh environment so you're right i thought the ref handled everything really nicely he seemed like the right guy he was very authoritative but also not like not a bull in a china shop and nothing really ever got out of hand i do think he missed some key he called argentina was clearly fouling to prevent counters at the very end Mm -hmm. when they were really on their last legs and he did miss a couple. He got a couple right where he granted the advantage when the French had the advantage after a foul. One time, I think it was Giroud got really mad because he wanted him to bring it back for a penalty. But I thought the ref had made the right choice not to bring that back because they had already gotten the chance materialized after the penalty. But in their own end, when they were getting ready to counter... A couple times he blew his whistle when he really shouldn't have because they still had possession and had the advantage, and those fouls were taken specifically trying to get him to blow his whistle, and they stopped French counters. I'm thinking um, of that, that specific one in the French's third when they got the ball at like the top of the 18, and that guy 
he beat one guy and then he like he got up faster than I've ever seen somebody get up in my life. He got tackled. The ball kept rolling and he was back up in maybe like yes. a quarter of a second. Yeah. I can't remember. It looked like a football play where they go down, but they kind of roll over the top of some guy and just keep going. Like he yeah. just kind of barely went down for a second and then he was on it. They were on their way. Oh yeah. That was going to be like a, that was, that was going to be an uneven break for, yeah. for France, I think. But I can't remember. I have to read it right up in my rule. That kid was a really good player too. I know he missed his penalty mm-hmm. and you know, France is still the most racist country apparently they all these these poor black guys these african-american players on this french team are all like the it's i don't know what it is about the french it's just ridiculous pathetic but i thought that guy was made a huge difference for the french side when he came on Mm -hmm. they played much much better did he come in for he was i'm pretty sure he may have he may that. have. He made a really positive difference for that. How do you pronounce his last name? Conan or Conan or Cronin or something like that. Mm-hmm, something like that. Or Kanan or. But I can't remember. He was really good. I want to say, if you stop, like he stopped play because he gave he gave a yellow. I don't think you can do it. Maybe you can. Because you can. You, you can. can absolutely can. You can come back and give the. You just look at the guy and you're like, all right, eleven. Yeah, and you, you just I'm wait. Coming, I'm coming back for you. Yeah. Yeah. So there were a couple of those, but overall, um, I'm very pleased. I'm very excited for. Uh, obviously, we have a long ways to go until the next one, but we do have uh, in two years we have the ladies, which will be the U.S. Hopefully, will just absolutely uh, roll over everybody. So after you watched the World Cup, did you watch a little of the PNC Championship? I did. I watched. I didn't watch any on Saturday. I honestly, I gotta, I gotta choose my words very carefully here. I you hate it. I I hated the Charlie Woods coverage, like the constant, the constant every like I saw on PJTour.com this morning. They did like a shot by shot breakdown of the Woods' entire weekend of golf, <laughs> like shot by shot by shot. I know. I almost feel badly for Charlie. So. We turned it on on Saturday, and I said to Sarah, "What's going on? Is he now copying his dad's limp?" Oh yeah, he was hurt. Yeah, he rolled his ankle on on Friday. I guess that would be on the range. How do you roll your ankle playing golf? Well, with somebody with a re- with a very weak right ankle, I can tell you how. Uh, you take one on even step on the grass, and the ankle just twist. <laughs> It's pretty well. He was apparently in a fair amount of discomfort on Saturday, or he had learned from his dad to really milk it because he was like really everything. Every it was a noticeable limp, he couldn't get onto his left side. I actually thought one of my takeaways was, Well, I saw Tiger, he was not consistent really, but he when he, he still has the ability to hit really great shots. Um, both in the full game and surprisingly the short game looked really sharp. I saw him hit one shot. I think it was on, I think that was on Sunday off the pine needles. That was like a, just like a trick. It was like an absurd trick shot where he like clearly hinged after contact to flip the blade up and get more 
loft and spin and the ball literally like spun back on a 30 yard shot. He's really looks like he's been using spending a lot of time with his wedges because he hit a couple other ones where he's really hitting those like choppy cut across really spinny pitches. And he hit it some beautiful ones, which I was like, Oh, that's great. That's a great sign for him moving forward. And then on the full swing, I, like I saw him hit an awesome second shot into a part five that he had to hit a, like a banana cut on off kind of an uneven lie, you know, still like the regular hitting it straight off the tee and just the stock shots don't seem to be there, but like when he needs to be creative or he gets to be a little more athletic over it, he can still, he can still uh, hit a lot of great shots. So I was mostly encouraged by what I saw from Tiger, but you're right. It was just kind of like a soap opera. Yeah, I mean, I think at his age, his ball speed is still incredibly high. Um, and my other takeaway, like you mentioned the shots on the green, like those spinny shots are so cool to watch. I do wonder, and I don't think it makes as much of a difference on like a PGA Tour golf course, but being able to place the ball in a scramble, I can't tell you how much that helps me with wedges. Like just, oh. just having the perfect lie at all times is is so crucial. So I still think his wedge game is phenomenal. And those spinny shots were, but I do wonder if that's a very small factor is just how, how nice of a lie he could have the entire weekend. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And then particularly the shot that I talked about out of the pine straw, if you get to place it and we all know you can really spin it out of pine straw. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of getting the right contact, which is lie dependent. But so I saw, yeah, I saw on they, Twitter. it was still, it was still good. I, I, the things came out of nowhere for me. Yeah, I, don't, I think they had some of the longest odds of anyone in the field, and which is VJ. Like, gosh, is he so good still? What the hell? So that actually came up on Twitter. Are you are you okay with with Kaz? Kaz right, is his name Cass? Cass Singh and and VJ Singh. So I'm pretty sure Cass. What I I thought I saw was he at some point tried to make it pro. Are you okay with guys that oh, that age? Is that good? Well, that's what I wonder because like he's they've done this thing since he was thirteen years old and they've never won it. So it's not like oh. they've just been they've been dominating the the field. I do wonder if it would affect like the J the Justin Thomases the world like the Nelly Cordas. But I wonder if you take away like you make it a little bit less prestigious as far as like who the pro is, but then you have more of like the Annika and her son pairings, which I think would make it more fun and kind of, and that would be, I think that would in a way would be more exciting than like, than like Vijay Singh and his, and his ex touring pro son winning the, winning the tournament. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I'm sure that's part of the reason why it's just a, has no, real it's like a champions tour event without points and just really made for tv kind of a thing because there's not enough i don't know how you create more fairness there other than just making it a net event i don't think i don't think which might be a good idea that might be a good idea i mean maybe they should just make it a net event but I agree. I loved seeing Annika out there with her son and being being able to see a kid that, that that's that age play golf on TV. But you're right. Like it's when we talked about it last week, like going in and granted, we missed the sings, but everybody pretty much everybody else. We said we said it's going to be the Thomases, the Dailies, the Woods, 
like you knew who before the week started who had a chance and and who didn't granted the thing snuck up on us but apart from that it's not competitive in that sense so you're right finding some other ways to make it interesting along the way and maybe just make it a net event to keep to keep it fair i wonder i mean it's so hard to so hard to to handicap a scramble event i just don't know how you would how you would properly do it it's not like it's it's consistently the same it is the same people in contention but it's not necessarily the same people winning so i don't know i I was that was something I, i did notice on on Twitter that, I mean, I, I do think there are a lot of PGA tour pros that have kids that are around Annika's kids age that are like, there are some golf golfing enough that it would make sense. One thing about Annika that I didn't notice or realize until somebody posted on Twitter yesterday or two days ago, how much she moves her. Have you ever noticed how much she lifts her head before impact? Dude, I've been trying to tell I've been trying to tell people this is I think that's gonna that move for some reason we've never patterned that. She's not the only one. But that is I I do that on the range. And yes, I've noticed that from the beginning about her swing. Her, David Duval, and Hendrick Stenson to me are the three greatest examples of that where they their head, the movement of their head makes it look as if they are following the ball with their eyes, kind of, where they're like hitting it and then their head's moving forward and up rather than staying down and behind. And I really think that helps your chest get through the ball, helps you get on your left side, helps you swing left after you hit the ball. All modern moves that are being taught in the golf swing, I really think we're going to see more and more of the quote-unquote chin lift mm-hmm. um, as you go down towards the ball. Because really, if you if you don't miss it, you know, like there's nothing after you've hit the ball, you do not need to look at it. Yeah. I know we say keep your head down, keep your head down. The idea is to concentrate on impact. Make sure you hit it good. But there's a lot of swings out there who get stuck from there and they don't get over onto their left side. They don't swing left. Ball doesn't go as far, doesn't go as straight, etc. So that's yeah, a fascinating move. But yeah, David Duvall did that phenomenal ball striker amazing iron player um henrik stenson one of the best ball strikers we've ever seen on tour major championship winner i mean those are three of the three of the you know the best to ever do it and they all had they've all done that move mm-hmm. and it's amazing it's like they're the only ones that do it yeah i was like have you ever um, tried it um I can't think of like I mean I I lift my head every time I swing so like it in <laughs> on accident I think I try it every time. Uh but I might need to try it harder cuz I don't get to my left side nearly enough. You want to you so want to see try, fall back. Come watch me. If you're working on swinging left after impact or you're trying to think about the way that your chest stays over the ball in your swing, I would tell you go to the range and swing try to swing like Annika Sornstam. If you're going, you're coming down and you're just, you're moving your upper body through without, you're not lifting up. You're not coming up on your toes or coming out of your stance, but you're thinking, I'm going to keep moving all the way into my finished position. I'm not going to stop when I hit the ball. I'm not going to let myself kind of pause. And you just kind of pattern this thing where you're getting, you're close to bottoming out your downswing. 
and you just kind of slowly pick your eyes up towards the target. It's really been helpful. I haven't figured out how to, it's great for me in terms of it gives you the sensation of getting your chest through the ball and swinging left after like you're like one of those moments where you're like, Oh, I feel that now. Mm -hmm. I feel that now it can do that for you. Now bringing it to the golf course or figuring out how to get it into your regular swing. I haven't quite figured out, but I can tell you that you'll feel something different when you try that move. I will have to try it, but I mean, I, I, um, it I, looks I, like she's not looking at the ball. She, I don't. I'm not. not sure her eyes are on the ball when she hits. No, it. they're not. Because I because I I watched the wedge. Uh, I was like a little flip wedge that she hit, and I I slowed down the video until when the ball when her club was at the ball, and she was looking at the target. Yeah, her, her head was like completely not. <laughs> it was not looking down. <laughs> that is for sure. Was so, it a good shot? It was. She hit it to a foot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. But I'm telling you, there's something there. Yeah, We've no. never taught it. We've never done anything with it. But I really think there's something there. No, I agree. Does Does her son do that, Taylor? Did she try to tell him? I actually didn't watch a ton of... Um, I, saw, like, I saw him hit a couple shots. He's a lefty. Yeah. He had a good little swing. Mm -hmm. I was impressed. All right, one thing... Um, one local thing I do want to mention on, because this is our last... Uh, episode before the new year and this was the last event of the latin american tour for uh for this part of the season essentially until the end of or until sometime in march uh alex scott was playing in the the scotia wealth management chile open presented by volvo uh he played well the first couple of days struggled on the weekend i'm not sure what the weather was like on the weekend but i'm seeing a ton of high scores from these guys on Saturday and Sunday. Alex started with a 67, followed up with a 72, and then a 76-76. And I'm seeing scores as high as like 78, uh, 77, 75. And these are all guys that are higher on the leaderboard than Alex was. Um, so it must have just been some some tough conditions down there in Chile. But uh, on a positive note for... I wonder if it got, I wonder if it got cold. I don't know. It's know. crazy how the weather system we're about to have this week in this country. Uh, it's going to be highs in the low 30s. Or uh, highs in the lows in the high 20s, low 30s in Florida later this week. So I don't know if Chile got that early, but I know I know Chile has some uh, uh, altitude too. So Yeah, we're, we're going to... We're going to Indianapolis here in a couple of days, and I was looking at the weather, and I saw a wind chill of negative 28 possible. It's going to be 40 degrees below average temperatures in the plains. Like Nebraska, Iowa, that part of the country. You don't want to be there this Christmas. We're talking minus, minus a lot. Minus 40, minus 50, minus you don't get to go outside, minus. Yeah. It's a good thing there's not a lot of homeless, but I'm really, it's going to be a bad weekend here too because we're going to get it. I don't know how, the, I don't know how I'm going to get to Michigan. Uh, that, that, that's why I thought you were coming up here like the next couple of days. No, I'm not coming up till Friday. Oh, 
So right in the middle of the storm. Yeah. When does it start? I thought it was Thursday night for some reason. That keeps ringing. That okay. keeps... That's what I thought too. Of course, I'm like, I'm like, Sarah, we need to leave early. And she's like, or we can just wait. I'm like, no, you don't wait for the storm and then drive after you drive before. Yes. Typically, that's that's how you would. Do okay. It. Just making sure I'm not insane. Yeah. No, it's, that's how I would do Sometimes it. Sometimes she causes me to question everything I think I know about the world. <laughs> you and I'm sure that I'm sure you help with that as well. So does my son <laughs> yeah. who had me up basically all night last night. Well, it's always uh, it's darkest before the dawn, I think is the saying. From one Man. from one dad who had a kid that had never slept, but still very rarely sleeps, to another. Dude, I had a, it was an <laughs> unfortunate <laughs> sequence because Henry, we're doing we're sleeping in shifts. I think I told you. So I went up there. Sarah came and got me around like three thirty, four o'clock or whatever. And I went up there. I got him to go to sleep, which I was like credit to you peter that's amazing great job but then i lay down to sleep and you can't i i can't sleep then because he's making noise and i'm on edge is he gonna wake up is he not gonna wake up i'm thinking about him and i'm right there next to him he's in the bassinet right next to the bed so it's like we can he can hear everything that i do too so i can't even move he wakes up at every noise so finally i'm like in desperation mode like i need relief it's six o'clock. He's screaming, crying. It's been two hours or whatever. I come downstairs. I say to Sarah, I got, I need you to, I need your help. So she comes upstairs and then Birdie starts crying. And I was like, no, <laughs> which she never does. She sleeps reliably until her light comes on in her hatch. But I think she heard Henry yeah. and myself upstairs doing battle, trying to, and she's like, what's going on? Is it morning? What's happening? And so that was my that was my morning. I was like, please, can we go in dead as bed and sleep for five more minutes? And so then she just comes in my bed and she's like, remember the Mickey Mouse where Pluto? Oh my God. Not right now. You got to start. Uh, you got to start mixing in American Pie. Henry will go to sleep for American Pie. That's the that's the best. Sleep Is that song. the trick? Okay. American. You know how Spotify does like that wrapped like the rap thing for their end of the year songs, like your top songs. I don't, but okay. yeah. But that's, kinda. that's a thing. It I can, started, I can started like four that, or five yeah. years ago. American pie was my number one song from the, from <laughs> just, it's kind of like a passing of the guard last year. Finally, no longer number one song, but it's like eight minutes long. You play it twice. So he doesn't need it anymore. No, no, but that was the that's only, that's the only song. And it's like so long that you just play it twice and he's zonked. See, it's fascinating because I've we have all kinds of theories about what works and what doesn't, and nothing ever seems to work for any long period of time. So, like something works for a few days, then it stops working. It's like you can never get a beat on that. It's terrible. But one of the things that we theorized works is that he he does not like quiet. Mm. It's like literally, he seems more relaxed when I'm talking to him. So, like. A couple times I've tried recently where I'm just like, whatever, I'll just literally l put you in your bassinet horizontal where he typically then lurches and instantly cries. And I'll just sit next to him and I'll sing or talk to him or whatever. I'll just say anything. And there have been a couple times where that has 
he just falls asleep while I'm just going on about whatever, singing whatever Christmas songs or anything, as long as I'm making noise. Because then when I'm quiet, he's like, what's going on? It's like he hears the silence and it wakes him up. You guys not do like a, like a noise machine or anything? Yeah, we do. Not, not loud enough? It's not enough. It's like he's he's got the cheat code. For, he's like, I know what that is. That's just white noise. That doesn't count. Need, I know you guys left the room. It's like an abandonment thing, I think. You need to like uh, have like a recording, like record yourself singing a song and just play it on repeat. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> like singing or something. So you, so you. My throat gets hoarse yeah, from all the shh. You poor guy at five in the morning having to. And then sing. sing. And then whatever. And it's like, oh my. I hate We Wish You a Merry Christmas now. Funny thing is, you sing these songs over and over again, and you go to the same parts where you don't know the lyrics. And you, ne- I never go and like learn the lyric. No. I just keep doing the same garbage that I always do, which is you know, hum over that part or make up words or say, I don't know the words to this part or whatever. <laughs> it's like I've sang these songs hundreds of times, and I have no idea what the words are. Still. Yeah. That sounds about right. Well, the joys of parenthood. I guess. Nothing like it. I did get Birdie into the soccer. Nice. She was like, she was, she watched the World Cup and she's like, wow, this is cool. Nice. That was fun. That she's like, they play, they play, I play soccer. I was like, exactly. Just like your soccer practice. Where do you go? So she for got, she's practice? like, you don't use your hands, dad. You don't use your hands. You just kick it with your feet. That's a, like, she already knew more than Mac did. I think he tried to pick up the ball first time. That he, <laughs> <laughs> we went to soccer. It's mine. Mine. Oh, that's uh, Where should she do that? Well, sad that there's no golf to watch this weekend. I think I'm okay. No match, no hit and giggle. Yep, just the uh, we we do we got bowl games, we got uh, we got NFL Saturday and Sunday, and I don't think EPL is quite back yet, but maybe next week. Slow week for college basketball too. I have not gotten into college basketball. College. I've gotten, dude. I am doing. I'm doing so well with my wagering on everything but golf. Yeah, we just need to, we need to change the podcast name. I mean, I was hot in the fall, too. I think my hot streak has kind of continued. I told you I had a, t- a couple tough breaks there with the Baker-Mayfield game and then the uh, Steph Curry getting hurting his shoulder in the third quarter against the Pacers on a night when Clay Thompson already wasn't playing and I had them minus one. <clears throat> and uh, my luck has swung back. I haven't lost since. No, so that that's the uh, Baker-Mayfield game. If that happened to me, I would have been like, I'm done betting for like that's that's a sign that things are about to head. Very far <laughs> this south. happened specifically to you because yeah. you made this wager. This is the universe telling you to, the universe is conspiring to help you succeed, Hunter. I often wonder if that's the case. You just have to open yourself to its many secrets. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, that's all I really have. Thank you for listening to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast for the week of December 19th. I hope everybody has a very Merry Christmas. You can always catch up on our past episodes anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or check us out on the theticketnorthernmichigan.com, theticketnorthernmichigan.com. You can also listen to uh, Petoskey Northman football and basketball games there, uh, Lake City Trojan football and basketball, lots of good stuff. So 
Thanks again for listening and happy holidays.